you got to ask yourself, you know, if I, if this did fail me, how long could I go without it? Or, you know, like, is there a way I can figure out something to replace it that I do have type of thing? And that's, that's kind of what I was out there realizing too, is, you know, is how much of the stuff that I usually bring on trips that I didn't bring, I'm getting by with it just fine. And even if something in my pack did fail, like I'm only, you know, at most I was maybe three, four days from a town. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, coming to you this time from the Philippines. And this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Andy, known off trail as Andy Kermod. He hiked the Superior Hiking Trail this summer, 310 miles in 21 days. He didn't quite get a trail name, but he's all of us newbie through hikers who wonder can I do this? Should I do this? In this episode, he shares the lessons he learned about overall preventative care, the importance of the feet, things he would do differently, and conversations with his wife so they were both on board this through hike. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Andy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for for reaching out and for having patience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no problem. I know how schedules get busy and, you know... Life gets in the way sometimes, and yeah, no problem. It's, it's kind of wacky sometimes how that how it all works, but but we are here yeah. now. Yes, and I'm excited to uh, to talk with you about my my hike and everything else. Uh, well, I'm I'm excited to to hear about it actually because you're you're sort of like the between the the all out person who goes for the full Monty. Versus the the couch potato, you're sort of that the in between. <laughs> uh, I, I think probably more uh, more accessible to mm-hmm. the the layperson, so to speak. Okay. Because now you did you finish the superior? Is it just called Superior Trail or is the Superior Hiking Trail? Hiking trail. Okay. Uh, which. Is that your first longer trail or? Yeah, that was my first through hike. Before then it was, I've only backpacked for a week. So yeah, that was my first longer distance type hike. Now, when you say backpack, what does that actually mean for you? Backpack um, outside, I guess it's outside of like a day hiking where I'm carrying all my gear and like okay. the wilderness backpacking. And how did that differ from what you did on the superior hiking trail? Because you did, because you, the reason I'm asking is you, you did make the distinction between a backpacking trip versus the, the trail itself. I guess it isn't really 
a difference. <laughs> oh, okay. Because yeah, the all my other trips have been backpacking type trips too. Um, I mean, the Superior Hiking Trail. I guess I just use the distinction of backpacking versus hiking because some people will hike type of thing and and not necessarily bring all of their gear. More, it's more of a day hike and staying in a hotel or the luxury of (laughs) having someone pick them up or something. Yeah. So speaking of having someone pick them up and or something, you were out there for 21 days, 310 miles in 21 days, which means that I'm assuming that you did do some hitchhiking and you had to come off the trail to resupply. Is that accurate? That is accurate. I, I attempted to do a little bit of hitchhiking, but was unsuccessful in getting a hitch. But luckily, the towns that I did resupply in were only a couple miles off the trail, so it wasn't too bad to walk into them. Was that the plan? What is my question? My question, I guess, is, is was that just fortuitous, or did you kind of plan it that way when you picked up where you were going to, when you picked where you were going to resupply? Yeah, I actually planned it like that. Okay. I wasn't, I had never hitched before, so (laughs) I was a little bit wary of it. Yeah, I think that's everybody at this point. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I I attempted as I was walking down the road into town, but yeah, it it, uh, didn't work out, but that that was fine. Like I said, I mean, I, I intentionally picked some towns along the way that were closer to the trail. My original resupply route, um, I was going to go into a town, Two Harbors, which was about five miles off the trail. And then I just decided, like, uh, I, I didn't have any rides planned up. They do have shuttle services, and there are other transportation services that you can call along the trail. But I my goal was to not pay for lodging and not pay for transportation. So I intentionally picked towns that were fairly close to the trail. They were, they were walkable. Yes. Walkable also in the sense that I I could put on eight to 10 miles and also do, you know, about two miles into town and back. So about, you know, a total of 14, 16 miles in a day. So you were, you're sort of doing a flyby. You just kind of drop in, grab your stuff and go. Yeah, pretty much. I did that. I would grab maybe, I would grab a meal and then kind of head back out to the trail. I didn't really plan to spend too much time in town. Originally, there was one town that I did spend most of my afternoon in because the weather was often on rain and it, yeah, I ended up doing some laundry. Actually, I, I discovered a laundromat, <laughs> <laughs> so it actually worked out. Um, the laundromat was right across the street from a restaurant, and so I threw the laundry in, went and grabbed a bite to eat, and ended up staying at the restaurant a little longer than anticipated, just kind of waiting the rain out. Yeah, hiking in the rain. Oh, hiking in the rain. When you <laughs> So many questions off of off of just that one little statement. But anyway, <laughs> when you so you were planning, I guess what was your thought process behind not staying in town or not staying overnight in town and and that kind of stuff? Just because you wanted to maximize your time on the trail, or 
you're trying to be a little bit more hardcore about it or? Yeah, I would say it's, it was more towards maximizing my time on the trail. Um, I kind of went into this through hike as I'm giving myself three weeks to do it. Actually, I was going to go four weeks if needed. So I had that window, but I just wanted to be out on the trail and it wasn't necessarily about not being in town or I wasn't above doing a hotel or anything like that. Um, it was just more, I wanted to be out there and make the most of my time out on the trail. What was one of the, your preconceptions about doing it, doing the, the through hike? that you found to be completely not correct or not true once you got out there and were actually doing it? I thought that my my body could take more than it really did, at least in that first week. And I always thought, like, the the hikes I've done, or the backpacking, I guess, that I've done prior to this through hike, it's always been anywhere from five to 10 mile days. And I always felt good after it. I never have ever really suffered issues with my feet either. Mm -hmm. No blisters, really. My boots have always been fine. And that was totally different this trip. And I know I've heard it from a lot of other through hikers, um, whether it's like trip reports I've read or listening to podcasts with um, through hikers on and, they always talk about their feet and I guess that was one thing that I I thought well you know I've done all these other trips and I'm I'm aiming on this through hike to do about 15 mile days um, which was a little bit more than I had done before and I felt like I was up to it though and I hadn't like I said, I had any of the foot issues or physical type issues while out on the trail before. Right. So I think that one thing I, I went into it a little overconfident and just <laughs> didn't really take care of myself or pay attention, I guess, physically to myself as much as I should have. And I guess that's one thing that I wish I would have done earlier in the hike that would have made parts of the hike a little bit better and just it would have been preventative for um, some of the foot issues I had along the trail. Um, so that was one of the things that I really kind of overlooked a little bit was just the, the preventative care that you can provide yourself. What kind of foot issues were you having? My boots started rubbing on the back of my heels and it started rubbing them raw a little bit. And it, I think it was due to my feet swelled up a bit, but then the boots also swelled up from being so wet. The first week I was out, it rained pretty much every day. Um, it either <laughs> rained during the day or at night. <laughs> Fun. So it was either, yeah, getting wet on the trail from either the rain coming down or just the trail, like the trail was flooded in areas too. So it was just going through like ankle deep water in a couple parts or mud. And so my boots were soaked for a week straight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, were you actually wearing boots, boots? 
Yeah, I was well. I was wearing a pair of Merrells, um, and um, yeah, they were boots. Yeah, and I think one thing that happened was that my foot, just those consecutive miles every day, and I noticed as the days went on that first week that it was a little tougher to get my boots on every day. So I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but I was just like kept kind of going through those miles and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I don't think my, my heels can take the, uh, take that rubbing and that friction. And I didn't have anything at the time that I was putting on my heels to prevent that friction either, which I wish I would have, um, looking back at it. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about moleskin and that's actually what I ended up using. I didn't have any on me at the time. Um, I just used a little bit of athletic tape and some bandages initially Mm -hmm. um, to deal with the issue. But then eventually my wife came up that, that first weekend. So it was a weekend of the trip and we ended up going into town. She picked me up at the trailhead and I ended up getting trail shoes instead and switched them out, switched my boots out. The trail shoes offered me, I felt some more flexibility. They weren't as rigid. Right. So as my feet kind of expanded or contracted, depending on how much I was hiking or how wet the, the shoe itself got, it um, it allowed my feet some of that more more freedom, a little more give. And it also, they, they dried out a lot quicker. I noticed if the trail was wet in the morning, my shoes would get soaked. And then by the afternoon, as the sun came out, they'd be dry by the time I got to camp. Whereas my boots... That was a different story. It was. They were just always wet. <laughs> a couple days, yeah. Yeah. How was the rest of your gear with all of the the rain, like tent and sleeping bag, and? It actually held up pretty well. I have a um, a waterproof stuff sack that I hmm. put my sleeping bag into, and I actually camped in a hammock um, instead of a tent. Okay. Um, so I stayed off the ground, stayed dry. Um, the only concern I had was on day two, well, I should say night two, it rained pretty hard. And my my tarp I had at the time over my hammock was sagging a bit. So <laughs> it was an older <laughs> tarp anyways. And it wasn't necessarily a, a hammock rain fly. Um, I just kind of used it as one. And I ended up, my first resupply i actually went into town and um purchased a different rain fly because i was that second night um waking up every so often and uh, pushing the water water that was pooling up off my tarp (laughs) it wasn't restful (laughs) no it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) but i stayed dry so that that was the most important thing True. um yeah most of my gear though it held up and I was actually surprised because I, the one thing that I normally do when I go out and know it's going to be wet is I, I'll line my bag with like a trash bag, mm-hmm. putting all my gear in that yeah. to add a little extra layer of protection other than just my fly for my um, pack. So I, I didn't actually do that. I forgot the trash bag. Um, and <laughs> I, you were ruining that one. day. Yeah. My my rainfly though held up pretty good for my pack. So most things that I um didn't want to get wet, mainly my sleeping bag and my clothes, 
um, I had in, in dry bags anyways. So those stayed dry for the most part. Everything else got a little damp, but nothing that made the trip bad or anything like that, you know? So to, nothing to, I couldn't do. right, right. It was, it, everything was, was bearable or, or at least for a 21 day hike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there was some things that if I was a longer hike, I, I would have definitely done different. Yeah. Well, and, and keep that list in mind because we're going to get there. Okay. But, but to step back to, to step back to the 30,000 foot view for right now, for a second, what is, where is, uh, the superior hiking trail just so that everybody can kind of place in their heads? Yeah. So the superior hiking trail is in Northern Minnesota and it follows the North shore of Lake Superior and I hiked it southbound. So I went from the Canadian border following down the superior shoreline to the Wisconsin border, Minnesota, Wisconsin border. Okay. And again, that's basically 310 miles. If it follows the, the lake, is there much elevation gain loss or is it pretty, uh, there, there is, it, it does follow, um, some of the, the ridges that overlook the lake, um, and then goes down into some river valleys. So there's a, there's a lot of up and down, but it's not very extreme. I guess I would put it, um, it's not like you would get in some mountain ranges, like the Appalachian Trail or right. the PCT or something like that. Now, what made you decide to choose this trail um, as your as your entry drug? I always have wanted to do this trail ever since I started out backpacking. This was my first trail I ever um, did a backpacking trip on. It was about five years ago. I went out with some friends and I had been an outdoors person my whole life. My, my family had always done camping trips, but it was always the, the drive-in type sites and never put everything on your back and hike in a few miles to your campsite type of camping. So, um, once I did that with my friends for the first time five years ago, I fell in love with backpacking just the challenge of it just the simplicity of having everything you need on your back and the disconnect too that you get when you're out there on a trail like this so once I did this trail I fell in love with it and I was always like I'm someday gonna through hike this trail and I also wanted to start out through hiking a trail that is something that I thought would be manageable too. I hear a lot of people doing like the Appalachian trail and, you know, averaging what, like four or five months to mm-hmm. complete a through hike on there. It's one of where am I going to find the time for that? But then also <laughs> like that, that seems like, that seems like a lot. And this one was only 310 miles. So I figured it would be something that would be easily manageable and I would see whether or not I would 
want to go for something a bit longer. Did it, so you were out there for 21 days. Did it feel like you got a true through hiking experience? You could make an educated, uh, you could have an educated opinion about doing something longer or not doing something longer as the case may be. Yeah. I feel like this was uh, definitely a good taste. I felt like I went through some of the physical struggles, like I had mentioned with my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through some of the mental and emotional struggles that come alongside. I think those physical struggles and how sometimes it, there were times where I was just like, is this worth continuing or should I just go home? Like that first weekend, my wife came up, I said, well, my, my feet are in pretty bad condition. And I told her, maybe I should just go home with you. You're up here right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad she, she, she um, looked at me. She said, well, this is through hiking life. <laughs> she <laughs> she kind of gave up. me some of that, some of that tough love. Yeah. And said, well, you're going to have to deal with it. You wanted to do this. You said you weren't going to quit, figure out how to deal with it. So I, I appreciate her saying that because that I think really hit home to me and got me kind of out of this funk that I was in for a couple of days where I was just kind of like miserable, kind of like shuffling my feet along on the trail and just questioning to myself, just in my own head, what am I doing out here? It's been raining this whole week. This isn't the walk in the park that I wanted. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I pictured it more as like, okay, I'll deal with rain here and there and I won't have any big feet issues or other physical issues and it'll be all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was definitely not the case, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad she had said what she said and that I did go through with the, the hike and I kept going. Cause yeah, after I switched out shoes, it got a lot better. And once my feet started healing up a little bit more, it was back to kind of what I had anticipated the hike being. Did you, particularly in that first week, did you find yourself kind of, because you were, you were hiking this solo. Um, and I don't know how popular the trail is in terms of like how many other hikers or, or even through hikers specifically that you were, that you were meeting. But did you find yourself, you know, as you were getting into that kind of, woe is me, this sucks mentality. Did you find yourself just sitting in that for, for days or would it kind of come and go as you were, as you were hiking and, and, or meeting other people along the way? Yeah, it would, uh, it would come and go. I was fortunate. Like, um, I, I, I did hike it solo, but I was fortunate enough to come across another solo through hiker that was she was doing pretty much the same mileage as me kind of every day so i was fortunate enough for that first about week and a half to share some campsites with her and we got to know each other and kind of discuss the through hike itself um and what we were going through so it was it was nice to have that support i know not everybody on the trail has that it is a 
I would say a fairly popular trail with like the weekend mm-hmm. hiker. There are a number of people that through hike it as well, but um, I feel like I, I only came across a couple and I don't know if it was that um, I was just going quicker or slower and coming across them, but people even going northbound, I was going southbound. I only came across a couple people that were through hiking it at the time. And maybe that's just because it's a shorter trail too. So it, you know, people kind of start maybe early season or they start randomly whenever. And this was in September too, which to me personally, I think is like the perfect time to do it in Minnesota because you got the fall colors and there's like no bugs, but the Mm -hmm. weather is still like not freezing. (laughs) But it's apparently pretty wet. (laughs) It was. Yeah. And the couple weeks before when I was checking the forecast, it was looking like it was going to be nice up until (laughs) the week before I left. And then it's like, Oh, you know, we're going to give you a little rain. <laughs> but but in your cozy house and it's and it says a little rain, you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. I, you know, it's fine. But out there, day after day. Yeah, yep. And you, you can't avoid it. <laughs> so the best I could do was just kind of sit in my hammock under my tarp until it lightened up a little bit and then, then head out for my day. So I did that a couple mornings. But yeah, it was... Um, no, but like getting back to your question about kind of sitting with that feeling, mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of time on the trail, I was kind of hiking by myself a lot. So it was in my head a lot. And there were, no, I think one of the big things that, that helped was just when that, when you got a glimpse of something like the sunshine or you got that with like another hiker that was passing by that kind of got me out of it and said, you know what, this is, this is worth it. Like this is, it, it was nice to have that on occasion. So I, I did get that, but the, the hours that you do spend though, kind of when you are going solo um, on the trail, there's a lot to kind of mull over in your mind. And you, mm-hmm. I found that, you know, if I would reflect back to, something more positive it would kind of help me get through that kind of lull a bit better interesting yeah i could see that i mean they everybody talks about where you're focused you know are you focused on what's sucking in the moment are you focused on what's good or what makes you happy or or what have you Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's just kind of being aware of that too is just where your headspace is at and when it does start going south like it's it's easy to get stuck in that and just every so often reminding yourself that hey like there's an awesome little butterfly that flew by or look at the colors on these trees that are all turning you know so yeah just kind of taking that appreciation of what is around you or what it is positive that's happening while you're out there. Yeah. I, I love your, your point about, you know, that butterfly that just went by or, or the, you know, the color on the trees or whatever, because it, it's, 
it reminds me, it reminds one that there is always something to be appreciative of if you just want to pay attention. Yeah, definitely. It's it, all those days of rain. It was, it was tough like that first week, but when I sat down for lunch one day at the lake and it was a sunny day out, it made it all worth it. <laughs> and you could just look across the lake and you saw all the orange and red and yellow leaves. And it was, it was beautiful. And I was like, all right, well, this is worth it. I had some sun dried everything out. And it's kind of crazy when you sit there for a half hour and the sun's just beaten down, how quickly things will dry out after <laughs> <laughs> after it's been soaked forever. And you're just like used to being like, you know, well, I'm just going to wear wet stuff. And all of a sudden you turn around and, hey, my socks are dry. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> the sun is an amazing thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let, let's, let's dive a little into your gear here. So speaking of socks and shoes and that kind of stuff, what what socks did you bring out with you and what shoes did you end up with? Yeah, so I brought out a pair of they're both thicker merino wool socks and I brought out two pair. So I brought a pair for hiking and a pair for camp okay. basically that I would sleep in. Mm-hmm. Looking back at it now, I I would say that I should have brought a third pair. One thing that I did do though um, is during one of my resupplies is I bought a a thinner, like a quicker drying merino wool sock. Um, so I had a pair of those and ditched my ones that were soaked because they were so thick that it was taking forever to just uh, dry out. Yeah. So the time of year, though, that I hiked in September here, I think having a thicker wool sock is kind of smart just because... In the, at night, it was getting down into the 40s. Um, I I think a couple nights it got into the high 30s. Um, it, there was a couple of really cold nights. So just having that thick sock just to wear at night was yeah. nice. And I'd, I'd imagine as well, because you were hiking so much, particularly that first week and, and you were wet, that that was chilling you too. Yeah. And I didn't notice it, I guess, as much. Okay. I was actually hiking in a t-shirt in the rain the whole time. Um, <laughs> okay. I was like, well, if I put my rain jacket on, I'm just going to sweat in that. And then my rain jacket's going to be wet inside and out. <laughs> and as I was hiking, like I, I felt warm enough. So I was just like, oh, I'm going to get wet anyways, if I put my rain jacket on from the sweat. So I'll just get wet by the rain. <laughs> and then once I got to camp, I would I would switch out my clothes and throw my rain jacket on. So the boots, though. Yeah, go. So my boots, I had a pair of um, Merrells, and they they did they they've always done good for me. They I had them for a couple years. So it's not like they were brand new and I didn't break them in. And that's what led to the foot issues. They're already broken in and everything. Um, But then I, I did end up switching out after the first week to a trail runner. It was a Vasque trail runner. Which seemed to, and I mean, your issue probably was all the water, you know, I mean, as simple as that feet, 
feet apparently don't like wa- that much water all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I would chalk it up to that too, I think is combination of, yeah, the, the wetness of my, my socks and boot and just the continuous mileage on top of that mm-hmm. day in and day out. And that's one thing that I guess helped to alleviate some of the foot stuff too is switching out the shoes and then I also did take a zero day on day eight I had planned on not doing a zero day because the I felt the trail was short enough not to warrant one but with my feet like I mean day seven I was literally like shuffling down the trail because it hurt (laughs) to just bend my ankle (laughs) And and was that was it your your heel that was the primary issue? You weren't having issues with blisters anywhere else or or anything like that. The the heel was the primary issue. The I was I had a couple of blisters right under between like the ball of my foot and my the bottom of my toe. Yeah. Um, but those ones didn't seem to really affect me too much. There's a couple mornings where I would I would take a needle and sterilize it and just drain it. Mm-hmm. And then it was fine. But those never really caused an issue. It was only a couple of days in the beginning where I I had a couple of blisters. Now with your sleeping you said you used a, a hammock. What what kind of hammock were you using? I had a grand trunk, the Skeeter Beater Pro hammock. So it has a built in bug net. Which nice. at this time of year I didn't need, but <laughs> I, I like I prefer that versus this the separate piece of the bug net, just because in in Minnesota here, which is primarily where I do a lot of my camping and hiking, is the mosquitoes are just terrible in the summer. <laughs> so it's just one one thing that I with the hammock I like is just uh, having it built in. You, you just don't have that extra piece that setups a little bit quicker. Some people prefer the extra piece because then they can take it off. Whereas, I mean, mine, I can just flip over and use as a regular hammock. So that was, didn't do it this trip, but um, I always set the bug net up just in case. There's that, you know, that one little late season mosquito or something. And there's always one. Yeah. And then they'll buzz you for the rest of the night. Yep. Yep. And it'll just be that constant in your ear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what will drive you crazy is that sound in your ear all night. Yes. <laughs> uh, with that, particularly in that first week when it was so wet, um, and maybe I should step back for a second and say, did you go stoveless or with stove? I went with the stove. So in that first week when it is so wet and you have to stop for the night, you don't have a tent to, you know, with any sort of vestibule or anything like that. How are you working it in terms of being able to, you know, get your stove going and stay somewhat out of the rain? And or were you just kind of sitting underneath your hammock once it was set up? Yeah, I was actually in, in pretty much in my hammock setup. Oh. So I had my um, the rain fly for my hammock was strung up, and it's kind of got a couple of sides. So you got get some shelter from the rain and uh, like I had my, my pack under there. And then um, I set my stove up right there and I was only doing freeze dried meals. So I wasn't really cooking um, per se with my stove. I was just boiling the water. Mm -hmm. So having it set up under that, that tarp was fine. And I stayed dry under there. 
would you do the stove again and or the freeze dried meals again, or would you would you change it out or change it? Um, I think I would do the stove again. I would bring a little smaller one. Um, I would look at maybe something like um, a pocket rocket that sits on top of a canister or I've always been interested in like the, the alcohol stoves. Mm-hmm. They seem to be smaller and I just don't know how much fuel that they go through. But those, you know, the canister type ones that I had brought and mine was more of a generic version of like the, the whisper light stove. So it kind of sat on the ground and then it had a hose that connected to the canister. Um, oh, okay. That, so yeah, it's a bigger, it's it was a, a little production. bit bigger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the canister, the fuel canisters themselves are a little weighty, but for the shorter hike that I was on, um, it wasn't too bad. But if I did a longer distance trail than this one, like the AT or something, I, I, I would look at a different setup, I think, for cooking. Um, I didn't mind the freeze-dried meals, actually. Um, I think I would do those again just because they're easy and there's, like, no cleanup involved. The only thing is I would probably repackage them because they do get a little bulky with the packaging that they're in. So would you repackage them into, like, a like a Ziploc or whatever and then? Yeah, exactly. And I would probably, so I would keep one in its thing and then kind of reuse that package to rehydrate and put all the others in Ziplocs. That becomes your kitchen? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. and then you got the the spork as well, and yes, um, yeah, that that's the other thing too. Is like I didn't want to ever do dishes, so it's like <laughs> oh, I got the spork, and then I got the package, and yeah, the the spork um kind of got washed by either licking it off or using like a little wet wipe or something. You you were doing the old fashioned version of of cleaning it off. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't bring any like camp soap or anything like that. Right. What was what was your favorite meal or a couple of your favorite meals while you were out there? One of my favorite meals was I had a biscuits and gravy from mountain house. And my wife actually put in my resupply box, a package of dehydrated veggies that she had prepared for me. Then I added that to that. And it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of like a, like a pot pie or kind of like a Thanksgiving dinner kind of thing in a packet. <laughs> so that was probably one of my favorites. Another one that I really like is the, is the mountain house chili Mac. <laughs> um, that one's always good. And yeah, I, I had only brought mountain house. So I do like a lot of the other freeze dried companies as well. It's just, um, that's what we had on hand at at the house. So <laughs> So that's what ended up going with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it kind of went through. That's kind of how this trip went, too, is just I packed what I already had at home. I didn't really go out and um, purchase anything that would have been new or different or special for this trip type of thing. Were you basically sending yourself or your wife was sending you resupply boxes or were you doing any sort of resupplying in town? I packed all the boxes prior to my trip and my, my wife added a little here and there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like some hot chocolate and, um, some, some chocolate bars and stuff that I hadn't originally packed. 
and <laughs> a couple she she put put a Comfort note in yeah oh you said she put a note in there yeah she put a little little note in each one too which was um which was also nice to read while i was out on the trail and what we did actually was we ended up contacting some some of the businesses in town that i was gonna resupply at and we dropped the packages off at these businesses and they held them so we dropped them off on the way up when I, um, when my wife ended up dropping me off to begin the hike. Okay. So it was cool. Like a lot of these businesses are like either like a outfitter or a lodging place or something like that. But it was, it was really kind of neat that all of these places, when I called them were like, yeah, definitely we can definitely hold that for you like good luck on your hike and it was just it was cool that they're so supportive of the trail community is that something that they usually do or or they were just open to it when you actually asked them directly it was something that i found on the the trail association's website um so they do do this and there are some companies too that i didn't contact which i would definitely contact in the future just because they're a little bit closer to the trail um they just weren't listed on possible businesses that would be open to it so um but yeah no i found that and i was like oh that sounds a little bit better than mailing it to a post office or something yeah and particularly if you were planning on being there or stopping by anyway because i you know you hear a lot of hikers having issues and or having to change their schedules around because of the post office schedules. Yeah. And my, yeah, that my plan originally was to do the post office thing until I came across a listing of some of these, these businesses. And yeah, we, we ended up driving right by all of them on my way up to start the hike. So it worked out. A nice little tip there. So what was your, what was your pack? My pack, I had a Osprey Atmos pack and it's a 65 liter pack but i took the the top off of it the top compartment and Mm -hmm. i think all in all it would that was probably like 10 liters off so my thinking there was if i leave this on i'm just gonna put more stuff in my pack (laughs) so it was a way to keep my my pack a little uh downsized there what would you say was your base weight I would guess that it was probably thirty pounds. Your um, I, I, or was I that with food so, and yeah. water and all and all? No, I would guess with food and water it was probably forty to forty five. Okay. Yeah, so I was really, really kind of upset like right before we left. I was <laughs> looking for my luggage scale because I really wanted to to weigh it and uh-huh. see what it was, but unfortunately I I couldn't find it so that's the other thing too is like um I, I did a lot of like kind of tracking of data on this trail like that's kind of like how i am very analytical and and that's one of the big things i wanted was my my base weight and to figure out my base weight after the hike too mm-hmm. what changed because i definitely knew going into it that it would change a little bit i would do a little bit of a shakedown and get rid of some things or or gain some things depending so 
So in your shakedown, what, what did happen? What, what did you get rid of? What did you replace or, or bring on, on board? Yeah. So I, I ended up replacing the tarp that went over my hammock. Right. So my hammock rain fly, I got a different one. Right. And this you one was actually, yeah, the hammock tarp, I think was a little bit lighter than the other one that I had. Okay. Swapped out my shoes. Um, I got rid of a couple unnecessary things. I thought they were necessary originally just because I wanted to document the trip. So I, I had like my GoPro and, um, I had, let's see, just some cords and stuff and just the GoPro accessories. And then I had, you just found you weren't using the GoPro at all or just using your phone or I was using it, but I was running out of memory cards oh. and I was just like, well, <laughs> buy more or at this point too, it was, it was towards the end of week one. And I said, you know, I, I can get by with my phone and then I can, the cool thing about my phone is then I can back it up to, to, um, somewhere online when I get service. So I ended up just using my phone for the remainder of the trip. Got it. And, and, ditching the and yeah, it was, it was when my feet were getting bad. So I just wanted to get rid of anything and everything I could. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds like a so, common thought process. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I had the guidebook actually. So the guidebook I had brought just for reading material for one, like when I got bored or whatever, but that first week I found I'd never looked at it. And I also brought it to um, look at what campsites had water sources, where the water sources were in comparison to the campsites. So I, I ended up just writing all that stuff down instead and then ditching the guidebook. Okay. I take it there's not a like a gut hooks type of thing for for the, that trail? Not that I had found. Okay. I guess I didn't really search it out. I I did find that the trail association had a like a reference sheet, but it only had like mileages between campsites and stuff. And so I used that and I had printed that off beforehand anyways. But what I did was I just added like the water sources to that. Um, I had pocket maps with me. Um, so I had some maps of, of the trail itself. Uh, it just didn't have all the information that I, I thought I had needed. And that's why I brought the guidebook. But after a week, I was, I was like, yeah, I, I need to ditch this. <laughs> <laughs> this is just extra weight at this point. It is. Yeah. <laughs> how, how well marked is the trail? It was, it was pretty well marked. It kind of depends though. And what sections of the trail you're on to, I found that, that some, some were marked really well and some there were, there's quite a bit of distance between blazes. And even in some parts, um, I kind of wished there were some more, some more rock cairns or something where there weren't trees and blazes because there, there are parts, especially more in, the northern part of the trail where you get to some like outcroppings where it's just kind of this cleared off like overlook and you're on top of this kind of like uh 
rocky area and it's just open and you hmm. could kind of, I was lucky enough where I, I found the trail every time, but to maybe somebody that's a little bit more novice or not as familiar with the trail, it would have been a little bit more difficult. So um, that's, that's one thing that kind of stood out to me is more in that Northern area. It was a little bit more difficult, I think, for some more novice people to, to navigate some of the trail up there too was overgrown pretty good. So it was kind of like, you just kept following where your feet were taking you type of thing. You weren't exactly <laughs> seeing the trail. <laughs> your feet were kind of doing the feeling out for you. It's a little of uh, feet don't fail me now. Yeah. Yeah. The one nice thing though, that I, I, I really appreciate about the trail is that like all of the water crossings, they have some sort of boardwalk or, or, or wooden bridge type thing built across them. There were a couple that were out, but like, it's, it's pretty incredible. Like how many creeks and rivers and stuff that, that all drain into Lake Superior, all of the volunteers and stuff that maintain the trail, like they do an excellent job and there really were not no, like, serious water crossings that you had to do, but that you might encounter on maybe some other trails. Right. Yeah. I've heard of about a few water crossings on the Pacific Crest Trail. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was one that I had to do on this trail just cause I didn't want to go and hike about like three miles back. And partly it was due to me not having an updated copy of the maps or book but there is this one river where the bridge had been out for a couple of years and i didn't see the sign um at the spur trail <laughs> either <laughs> so Oops. partly my fault but <laughs> it was about mm, maybe a 20 25 foot river crossing and it was fairly rapid flowing and um yeah it was about knee deep and so I kind of paced back and forth looking for a better crossing, couldn't find one. And I was like, well, all right, I'm taking my socks off and going <laughs> for it. And I used my trekking poles to guide me a bit and gauge yeah. the depth too, because there was one area where I did reach over to my right side and it was, it would have been like waist deep. So <laughs> I'm glad I had those trekking poles for sure. Yeah, I, I could imagine you, you know, you put your trekking pole out in front of you and you're kind of measuring depth and making sure that you, you know, good, uh, safe uh, foot placement kind of stuff. And the, and you put it in that one place and it just keeps going down and down and down. And you're like, ah. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just like, well, let's go to this other side. And oh, all right, it feels I can hit bottom right here. All right, we're good. I'm going yeah. this way. A little bit like the blind man with the pole. Tap, 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 tap. Okay, here's the place I yep. want to go. <laughs> yep. Now, what... Let me see. We've got shoes. We've got pack. We've got sleeping. We've talked about food. Okay, those are the big four. How many How many changes of clothes did you have with you? So, I had... I had one pair of clothes for hiking. So, I just had a pair of hiking pants 
a t-shirt and then my socks. And that was pretty much my outfit for hiking every day. And then I did a really, I did a thin lightweight, uh, base layer. And that's what I would change into when I got to camp. And then I had like more of a, a midweight top long sleeve that I would also wear at camp and on occasion hiking too, if it was too cold. But I found that once I got going after about 15 minutes, I was always warm enough to just be in my t-shirt. So I also did just a thicker, um, and this is what I would change too. I did a thicker flannel shirt, which was a bit heavy carry, but it, like I said before, I went with what I had. Um, if I were to do it again, I would probably do, or something longer, I would probably do maybe a lighter weight, like down jacket or maybe a fleece or maybe a couple like mid weights plus a fleece or something like that. And that's the other thing too. It's like hiking in the fall here in Minnesota is you kind of have to have all those different layers. Whereas if it was in the summer, I could have ditched the heavier stuff right. and the thicker stuff. And it would have been better. Um, and then I did also have a pair of rain pants and a rain jacket. So I did wear the rain pants on occasion as hiking pants or at camp. Like I found on the wetter days, it was better to wear the rain pants just because they dried out fairly quick, like once I got to camp. Whereas my other pants were just a pair of, you know, REI hiking pants and mm-hmm. they get a little damp and, and it, it takes a little bit for them to dry out. But yeah, the rain pants. Towards the end of the hike, actually, my last week, I started, <laughs> I started taking the rain pants and just rolling them up and wearing them as shorts. Um, <laughs> just because it, the weather had warmed up a bit and it was sunny out now <laughs> and and they were actually lighter too than my um my other pants they're just it was just a really thin rain pant and yeah it was it was one of those things too where i was just debating like do i just cut the bottom half off like because <laughs> i really i really now see why through hikers wear shorts yeah i i was just gonna ask you did you not have shorts no, I did not. I, I, I've always hiked in pants and I've always hiked in pants for a couple of reasons. Um, one for bug protection, like where, where I usually hike, I mean, there's a lot of ticks and stuff and right. I would spray down my pants with permethrin and, um, and then just for some of the, the growth on the trail, just, I always, had this perception in my mind that my legs were going to come out of there all like scratched up from, you know, all the, the brush and stuff along the trail. But I found out that during this through hike, when I did roll my pants up, it, it really wasn't that bad. And it was a lot cooler. <laughs> like I wasn't <laughs> yeah. sweating in my pants. <laughs> did you have any issues with ticks while you were out there? No, I didn't. I think, I mean, I know that ticks can be around in the fall. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there didn't seem to be anything like nearly as much as there was. Like, I didn't, I didn't find one at all on me. Right. And I know that earlier in the, in the season, it's, 
it's a little worse. But yeah, I didn't have any issues. Was there anything else that you kind of swapped out of your pack or or replaced or added even to um, your pack as you were going along? Let's see. I don't think I added anything else. I think I mentioned I, I ditched my compass. I had a compass and I realized quickly that, I mean, the trail... The trail was, um, like we were discussing, pretty well marked for the most part, and it was it was hard to lose it, other than like a couple spots where there's some like intersecting game trails, but those kind of dead ended quickly. Or mm-hmm. I, I realized as I was out there, I was like, yeah, there's I'm I'm not really losing the trail at all. I've got the maps on me. My electronics aren't failing me. I had well, I had two things i had my phone which um has a compass on it and then i also have i brought along a garmin inreach and had been using that so i always bring a physical compass though just in case you know the electronics fail but i i just figured this time i i didn't need it so gave that to my wife after the first week i don't think there was really anything else that I swapped out. I mean, I tried to pack as light as I could with what I had and not overpack. I mean, that's one thing that kind of just only doing sections of hikes before this, I tended and going with my wife usually, like this was my first time ever doing a trip solo. So you always have somebody else to carry part of the load too. Right. So I was kind of, I was kind of used to always having some extras. So like in, when I was packing this trip, I really intentionally went over my pack a couple times before I left just to make sure I didn't have anything that was excessive. <laughs> and yet somehow, somehow there's always that something that once you get out there, you're like, I don't really need this. Yeah. 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 You think it's, uh, it's kind of needed in the moment or at least mm-hmm. you, you really see yourself using it. But then when you're actually out there, yeah, there are those things that you'll discover that you don't need or you don't actually use. Yeah. My friends tease me that I tend to be one of those people that has like the backup and then the backup to the backup. And uh, I I know that that's one of those things that I'm going to have to get over when I hike the trail. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, too, it's, you got to ask yourself, you know, if I, if this did fail me, how long could I go without it? Or, you know, like, is there a way I can figure out something to replace it that I do have type of thing? And that's, that's kind of what I was out there realizing too, is, you know, is how much of the stuff that I usually bring on trips that I didn't bring, Hmm. I'm getting by with it just fine. And even if something in my pack did fail, like, I'm only, you know, at most I was maybe three, four days from a town or most days I crossed a trailhead. So there was maybe somebody that would come by or I would cross another hiker. So, you know, so like there's, there's always opportunities for, for you to replace or find a resolution for, for that thing that might have failed. How long did it take you to kind of embrace that 
embrace just not having as much stuff. How, just not having as much stuff. Embrace knowing that there was a solution that it was, it would be easy to replace something if something failed or, you know, find a different solution if you just didn't have it with you. Yeah, I guess it was, it was really easy for me, I, I think. Um, and it, it just comes naturally to me. I, I'm just the type of person that likes to figure things out. I'm like a problem solver type. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that I was already thinking ahead about that while I was packing my bag. And so it was easy for me to let go of some of those things that I normally pack and for me to say, you know, it's, it's not going to be the worst thing if I don't have like a stove, for instance, I guess I'll just, you know, cold soak my food or have other snacks that I can eat or, or if my electronics fail me, like, do I need electronics in the woods? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so, like almost like a, a, a metaphysical question. Do I really need electronics? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think my wife would say otherwise, though, because she was always tracking me on the Garmin. So, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it was just one of those things where I think it was, it was, for me at least, I mean, it was fairly easy to come to that, that, that realization that, you know, I think I'll be all right if I have to spend a couple days out here without right. something that I brought. How was your wife doing with your hike um, and and tracking your and tracking you throughout and and that kind of thing? Um, she she did well. I mean, we kind of came up with a game plan before I set out on my hike that I would message her from the Garmin inReach every morning when I would start out and then every night when I got to camp. So she would, she would be able to know kind of my whereabouts and then also the tracking feature too. So she could follow me throughout my hike. Um, she was very hesitant, I guess, at first when I set out solo um, or mm-hmm. even when I said, I want to really do this hike. Um, her and I have, ever since we met, like have been backpacking together. We actually on our third date, we went to a state park and did a canoe in sight and just, we both fell in love with it. And that's kind of a foundation of our relationship too. And after doing some hikes this summer, we went out East um, and did a couple days on the long trail. We did a couple days on the AT and then we went out West and did some hiking in the Rockies and the Bighorn mountains. And she just realized that the, the rigor of a through hike wasn't for her. Um, we had always talked about doing a through hike together. And then when she said that and so it's not for me, I was like, well, I, I still want to do it. And, she thought, you know, going and doing it, um, solo, um, she had some worries that I was going to lose my mind and become antisocial (laughs) (laughs) being out there alone, (laughs) but that did not happen. Um, so there was, there was some hesitation at first, but you know, after 
talking over it with her, I mean, we we came to just that agreement of like, yeah, you know, she became very supportive. And I said, all right, well, if I do these things and message you, you can track me. And I, I guarantee you, I won't go crazy. <laughs> um, she said, yeah, it, it was great. I think she was, she didn't love the fact that she had to stay home alone for three weeks. I can imagine. We do that. have a dog though. We do have a dog. So she felt a little safer with that, but yeah, she, she got a little lonely and yeah, it was, it was the most time that actually we've ever spent away from each other too, which I didn't realize until right before going on that trip, like three weeks. Yeah. We've, even when we were dating, it was something that we had never been apart from each other that long. So that was, that was interesting too. How was that? It was, um, I don't know. It was, it wasn't terrible. It was, it was one of those things where I think I was caught up in the, the rigors of the through hike that I didn't necessarily say, you know, like I'm, I mean, I missed her and everything. Mm-hmm. And I would call her whenever I got service which is usually my resupplies a couple times when I was on top of a ridge. So we were always in constant communication. So it, it never felt that far away. Um, right. I think if, if it were something where I didn't have communication with her at all for that extended period of time, I think it would have been totally different, right. but we, we were able to fortunately have that communication still. And the one time when she came up too, which was very unplanned. She was just going to drop me off that first day and then not pick me up until I was done. But since I had some complications with my feet and I called her and said, you know, like, this is what's happening. I actually wanted to switch out my pack too, um, because my, my hip belt was as tight as it could go. And I was afraid that I was going to lose a little bit more weight and it was not going to fit right. My pack and I'd have too much weight on my shoulders and stuff and not on my hips where it should be. So she brought up a couple packs that we had and I, I ended up opting to stick with the pack that I originally had my Osprey one. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a little bit bigger than the rest of the packs that I had, which I, probably could have made work but also i didn't really want to go through maybe another issue that a pack that i wasn't used to carrying might have presented so so she met you she came up specifically and met you because you were struggling at that point yes yeah and she had um and then she said, applied you know, to tough you, love. <laughs> yeah yeah on the, on the phone, she was, yeah, very sweet and said, you know, if you really want me to come up, I can come up and I'll be up there tonight. Um, and so she ended up coming up with both of our mothers, actually. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of support. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, like I wasn't struggling that bad to need <laughs> all of that, but, <laughs> but oh, nonetheless, gosh. it was, it was great. <laughs> 
So you got some TLC on the trail. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So it was great because I said, well, you know, if you do come up, I can switch some things out. You can bring me into town, get some shoes. And I wanted to try the swap out of the packs instead of Mm -hmm. buying a new pack or something like that. So then, you know, if, if you do come up, I won't be throwing away these other things too that I want to ditch out of my pack, even though there were only a couple things, but it was either toss them, mail them back, or you can come up and yeah. see me hang out. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you have any issues with hiker hunger while you were out there? No, not really. I don't think. Um, I never really, the only time I ever felt hungry, like, like real hunger was usually around 10 a.m. every day. <laughs> so I would right. kind of like what I would do is I would eat my breakfast, get on the trail, uh, typically between like 7.30 and 9, depending on the day. And then usually, I mean, I had a pretty light breakfast, so I would get, I would get hungry and it would, it would, only be noticeable like around that time of the day i would have a protein bar and then i would be good and i was pretty um pretty good though with having kind of a schedule of like okay i'm gonna stop around like noon one o'clock you know have have some lunch and then when i get to camp eat um and i think i resupplied myself enough food um i overpacked usually like a meal or a day's worth extra in each of my resupplies Mm -hmm. and then like i said too when i went into towns to resupply i would i would get a huge meal and i would just kind of reload on all the calories so i didn't i did notice that though where usually on those days that next day after i just kind of gorged on a bunch of food in town Mm -hmm. my energy levels were up quite a bit Um, (laughs) you had all kinds of fuel yeah did did you lose weight while you were out there yeah i did um i i didn't weigh myself beforehand and i i weighed myself afterwards but i would guesstimate that it was around 10 pounds that i lost 10 to 15 yeah and which is kind of strange because like i never really felt i i know i was um, operating on a calorie deficit each day, but like I never really felt that the effects of it really like mm-hmm. I, I was never really drained of energy every day or anything like that, or like I never really got any any issues with hunger or anything like that. It was just like I, I just noticed the the change in energy though a bit, like yeah, um, after those those days where I ate a bunch. Um, but yeah, I, I did lose some weight. Kind of funny that when my, my wife and our mothers came up, they, they all said, you look a little thinner. And that was only after one week. I I was literally just going to say that, that at that rate, I have a feeling hiker hunger was probably only a week away. (laughs) Yeah. At the point in the time that you finished, because you were losing, you know, almost a, almost a pound a day. Mm -hmm. So. Did you end up with any trail name while you were out there? No, I didn't. There just wasn't anybody to and, give you one? 
No, I I think that well, I I did mention that I did camp. Um, I think the the first week and a half or so with the same female, and I mean we we had great discussions and you know shared a bunch of stories and everything. Got to know each other pretty well, but we never actually gave each other trail names. We never really I never came across anybody that you no, know, that gave, which was kind of like. It was a little disappointing because my wife like you better <laughs> yeah. come home with a trail name because <laughs> we always joke that we're giving each other trail names, but we're like, ah, mm-hmm. we can't really do that. Like, <laughs> you're not legit until you got a trail name. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, I, I can't really have my wife give me a trail name either. So, <laughs> particularly from home. Yeah, yeah. So, so circling back to kind of something that you had said earlier about this stuff that you had learned, learned about yourself. And obviously we've kind of been hitting the stuff you learned about your gear and things. So, so I really want to focus on kind of the stuff that you learned about yourself and, and of those things, like, what are you, what are you pulling back into the the real world with you? Yeah. Some of the things I learned about myself is just having some more, um, some more patience. I'm a pretty like laid back person to begin with though. But like just knowing and and this became super evident on the trails, just knowing that there's going to be those miles waiting for you or there's going to be the next task because I'm typically one just to kind of like have a bunch of things. I, I, I think this applies to anyone. You have a bunch of things going on in your life and you're just trying to get from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Yeah. And you just kind of get caught up in that. And one thing that kind of clarified on the trail is like, you can keep pushing yourself, but you're going to break down. And I think that's, that's what's happened to me a little bit in week one and just taking the time, taking a relaxation day, that zero day I took helped a ton and just taking the time to take care of yourself because everything else is going to still be there. Um, and if you aren't able to keep going because you haven't taken care of yourself, then you're never going to get to that next thing. So that's kind of where I was almost at too, where I said, uh, you know, I was thinking about giving up and just going home with my wife after that first week. Right. But yeah, after taking care of myself a little bit, I kept going and was able to complete. And I think I can definitely... I'm definitely taking that into the rest of my life and just having some more of that patience and finding more of that balance. There's also just, yeah, just taking care of yourself physically. And I, that's something that I had neglected doing just on a day to day basis. Like I, I wasn't always kind of cognizant of just what's going on w- with me. I always try and like stay active, um, going to the gym, hiking, doing all that, but not really, really like focusing on, Hey, what's, what's my body telling me today type of thing. And if it's telling me something that uh, it shouldn't be, or, you know, if it's saying, Hey, I have this little minor issue, pay attention to it, you know, like, and don't let it become something bigger. And I think that's something that I was 
dealing with with my feet and it's like there's there's this little irritation address it now before you know it becomes something bigger and may you know take you out of the hike or take you out of whatever you're doing did you find and have you found since coming back that you're like i don't know how old you are but that but that you're listening to your body more in in terms of, you know, the little maybe aches and pains, but also just in terms of what's making you and it feel good versus not feel good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm i 32 and I'm I'm getting past that point of like I'm invincible yeah. <laughs> type yep. of thing, you know, that younger mentality. And I, I mean, I've experienced um, like things like, yeah, eating healthy, staying active, what that does to you. And when you don't do that, I've experienced uh, like how I feel. And, you know, it's, uh, there's more of a difference in the last few years than there was when I was in my younger twenties or in, and stuff like that. So um, I'm, I think though that this hike kind of illuminated it more and saying like, it's, it's more important than you may have thought in the past too. It's like the whole thing about when I, when I was eating more and in town and just having all that energy the next day, like going back now, if I were to plan another through hike, I would, I think I would calculate my calories this time and try and estimate um, something that is what I should be intaking versus what I did, which was all I did was kind of pack like stuff I normally would for a weekend trip or other trip and say, okay, this seems like enough food. Um, and just kind of being more cognizant of, of that and just, yeah, that preventative care too, that I can provide myself so that I, I don't get into another situation where blisters start becoming an issue or the heels and, and then addressing those right away versus, Hey, it's kind of power through it type of thing. That's kind of mentality that I had when I was younger and kind of, I always played sports too. So like that was always the mentality you push yourself. You're going to get better once you get through it type of thing. And that. I mean, to a degree, you have to have some of that toughness, but like you also really have to pay attention and kind of really like be aware of those signals, address them like as they come up too. And it's not, I guess, weakness, you know, if, if you do have an issue and you have to take some time off of the trail or time off of whatever you're doing to address that like yeah you, the one thing that i had um i said when i was on the trail when i was kind of getting really bad and this was when i was discussing it with Allie, the female that i was camping with mm-hmm. for a little while i was saying you know with without my feet i'm gonna get nowhere like if i don't take care of these <laughs> things <laughs> there's nowhere for me to go like <laughs> these are what are propelling me forward. So that's when I decided, you know, I have to get over this mentality that it's a short trail and I'm not going to take a zero day. I'll just get through it. And
And I put that aside and said, you know what? I got to take a zero. I got to rest. I got to really be meticulous about like bandaging up my feet, cleaning them after hiking every night and all of that. So it didn't get infected because part of it was, it was starting to rub raw too. And that, that was what was causing some of the pain. It was just super tender to the touch. Yeah. So yeah, it was, that was kind of a lesson where it was different mentality than I, I guess I was used to. Did it give you a different perspective on toughness or quote unquote being tough? Um, a little bit. I mean, I, I think it was stuff that I already kind of knew a little bit, but just really hadn't experienced. So like, um, for me, I was like, ah, you know, it's not gonna, something like that won't really affect me or I'll deal with it differently type of thing. But then once, once I was affected by it, it's like, ah, I see what all these other people are talking about, you know, see what all these other through hikers are mentioning when they say foot care, you know, it's huge. Like they take all these steps to prep their feet before they go out onto the trail every day. And yeah, so it was like one of those kind of wake up moments. It's like, I kind of knew it, but I also hadn't experienced it. So it was kind of like off in the distance type of thing. Yeah. It's, it's all you, you hear the, you hear people say things um, and you're, and you kind of go, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was your favorite moment out, out on the trail? Ooh, that's a <laughs> tough one. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of good moments. What's the first one that comes to mind? The first one that comes to mind, I would have to say there was this day, honestly it was right it was it was right around the like the peak of my feet being really in bad condition and just sore and I was just in a really bad funk. Um I was mentally not there. I was just I was ready to be done. I was going, walking down the trail and it was overgrown. All of this brush was kind of getting me soaked as I was passing by all of it and rubbing by all of it. And then it started raining for another hour on top of that. So I was just kind of cursing down the trail and saying, oh man, this is miserable. And then all of a sudden, for maybe about a half hour, the sun peeks out of the cloud and everything changed. My attitude, like I didn't care that I was soaked. I was just like, it, my spirits went through the roof, but finally there's some sun. And even though it was only for a half hour, it was, it got me through like the rest of the day. And that was probably one of the first like great moments uh, of the hike, just kind of realizing that and stopping and being like, wow, this is something that it seems so insignificant, just <laughs> the sun coming out, but like the effect that it had on me when I was kind of in that mental space that I was in and turning that around, it was, it was really cool. Nice. What's 
What's next for you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I want to, I definitely want to through hike more. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this trail. I've talked to my, to my wife about doing other shorter trails, I guess, shorter long distance trails. Like mm-hmm. we had, we had visited the long trail and d- did a couple days on that. And that's, that's one where it's kind of a similar time frame as far as doing three to four weeks on that to through hike it. Um, so that one would be cool. I, I also see myself at some point doing some of the longer ones like the PCT or a- AT. But right now it's just kind of <laughs> back to reality. And before I did my through hike, I had left my, my job that I was at for nine years and my wife and I are starting a business where we're hopefully going to be inspiring people to get out on the trail. And part of that um, comes from just our love and what we get out of being out there. We started a blog that was mainly to keep friends and family in the loop of just our travels because when we had first met we we were almost backpacking every weekend (laughs) we were doing some sort of camping hiking adventure every weekend and um so we started sharing that with others and then people our friends and family asked us you know like this sounds cool like can you guys take us and so we started taking them and it was just something where we found that there's a lot of people nowadays that are out there on the trail and there's an opportunity to help them where I, I don't think I necessarily had too much help other than a couple of friends I knew, but how do you, how do you get started in backpacking and trying to help people solve that by pointing them in the direct, right direction of here's some gear Here's how you can trip plan. We can offer um, some planning for you as well. But the other piece of that too is we want to inspire people just to like, in general, just live a more meaningful life and get out there. Um, We find the outdoors to be something that inspires us. And through our, our love for it, hopefully that inspires you to do whatever you love to do as well so we do have that blog out there still and our we started a podcast earlier this year to um share other people's journeys mostly on the trail but there may be sometimes where someone's not out there on the trail and they have a different journey to share that's just as important so we hope to help people share that as well where where can people find you, uh, either to follow your continuing adventures or for a little uh, moral support? Yeah, yeah. So the what I was just talking about, um, we have a website, hikingthroughlife.net. You can find all of our social media links there. We're pretty much hiking through life on everything. We have Instagram, Facebook. We have a YouTube channel that we we post a few videos to, and yeah, so you can find us there, or you can send us an email as well, 
um, hiking through life at gmail.com. And through is spelled T H R U, of course. Correct. Yep. <laughs> okay. So basically sending people to, to your website is the easiest, easiest place. Yeah. And okay. we have a contact page there too. So they don't even have to know our email. They can just go to that page and send us a quick little uh, message. Perfect. Get in touch with us. Is there anything you feel like we should talk about or should be said that we haven't talked about yet? I think the one thing that I, I guess I wanted to maybe cover a little bit was maybe some of the things that I would have done different. Um, Absolutely. Or some things that maybe on my next through hike I will do instead. And um, that, that was one thing that I had thought a lot about. Like I had mentioned earlier, I very analytical and just my mind is always racing with all these little things. And I think the big thing that I would have done different or maybe for a longer through hike, I would have looked at lighter gear. I think I would definitely have tried to get an ultralight, maybe a frameless pack, maybe some shorts, <laughs> like I mentioned. Yeah. I see why people do the shorts now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think just like the weight um, and just on shorter trips, I never really paid too much attention to the weight of my pack. I mean, I was always interested just out of curiosity. You know, what does my pack weigh? So I would weigh it. But for. But you don't get the cumulative effect of the extra weight that you do when you're there for a longer period of time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, a 21 day trip is definitely different than a five day trip or a weekend oh, trip. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, you know, compounding that, if you're doing like the AT, you know, five months, it's totally different than a 21 day trip. So yeah, pay attention to the weight. And I would also pay attention more to, I guess the calories. Cause I would want to probably not, be on as much of a deficit as I was calorically. But again, for the short amount of time I was out there, relatively speaking to some longer trails, I think it wasn't too bad. But yeah, definitely some more planning on the weight and the food. Yeah. So, and also just the the, the footwear. Um, <laughs> I just yeah. I really didn't think that that was going to play that big of a part in this hike and it definitely did definitely did so just anybody out there that's thinking about through hikes definitely test the footwear especially like 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 i said i weren't worn my boots for like two years but i hadn't really done too much over four or five days so i i guess i didn't really end that wet too so mm -hmm. maybe there's something i would have done different too um to maybe prevent the the wetness um as much like i hear people do some boot liners or some sort of wax on their feet too and i think i think sort of the second part of that is something which you have said before already as well which was when you started having problems pay attention to it immediately as opposed to toughing it out or thinking, you know, it, it'll go away. I'll get over it. It's not going to slow me down. It's not going to, you know, cause me problems. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, pay attention to pay attention to what your body's telling you and 
yeah, I think he'll be okay. And exactly just address it before uh, it gets too big. Yeah. I feel like that's sort of a good life lesson. And, and I'm certainly finding it with myself as well, which is the body is an amazing thing. It's an amazing machine. If you treat it well, if you pay attention to it when it's talking to you, it will do amazing, astounding things for you. If you don't, it's going to bite you in the ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I can definitely say as I'm, as I am getting older, I can <laughs> say that's definitely true. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, yeah, you know, back in college, I could, I could eat all the junk food I wanted and still yep. be all right. And now I do that for one meal and <laughs> I will feel sluggish the rest of the day. Yep. It, it is. Unfortunately, there are certain things where it is a downward spiral, but there are other things that, uh, that are still moving upward. There are still PRs yep. to be held. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you so much, Andy, for, uh, for reaching out and, and coming on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I had mentioned earlier too, I'm hoping to maybe do a few more that are about this distance. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I think it's, it's the perfect one for any beginner that is like, eh, I don't know exactly if I want to do, you know, the AT or something, but like, I'm really interested in through hiking. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing like the Arizona trail or the Colorado trail or any of those kind of things? Um, actually I hadn't heard of the Colorado trail until I was out doing this through hike and somebody on the trail mentioned it to me. So I looked it up when I got home and I was like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely would do something like that. Maybe the, the long trail, just cause it's, one of those iconic, you know, trails. Mm -hmm. And then the Colorado trail sounds, sounds great. Or I guess what is it? There's also like John Muir and, and some of those other ones. As well. mm -hmm. Yeah. I almost feel like if I were to go out and do the John Muir, which um, I've seen a few documentaries on, I might, I might just get the itch to just do the PCT. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah, go for it. That's, that's a real possibility. Yeah. You'll you'll fall in love with the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. but I'm 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 definitely looking forward to maybe doing some some more challenging ones to that. Not to say that the Superior Hiking Trail is not challenging, but it's mm -hmm. you don't necessarily get the mountains um and as much elevation gain as and loss as, as you do in some other areas of the country. But it's still a challenging trail and i don't think that's something i, I mentioned either is that the, the terrain is it's not as easy as you would think for something that doesn't have a whole lot of elevation changes i mean mm -hmm. it definitely goes up and down a lot um but it's very rocky roady muddy your weather didn't help no and just that that uneven terrain makes it challenging in itself. Well, I know the the favorite phrase of, of people on like the AT is the the puds, the pointless up and downs. Did you were you feeling kind of that when you were out on on the the trail? I felt like it was 
more towards the southern part of the trail. There was a lot of, with this trail, I think there's just, I don't see it as much as pointless just because there's so much beauty. I mean, there's so much like you're down in a river valley or you're up more on this, maybe kind of an overlook of Lake Superior or it's, I never really got like bored or like found it to be like pointless until you get more towards the Southern part. And I feel like there's, there's just, it it gets flatter and it's more like rolling, small rolling hills. And so Mm -hmm. you're just like, Oh man, why couldn't we just like flatten this out and make this a little (laughs) bit quicker. And then another interesting part of the superior hiking trail too is that um i i should have mentioned this too is there's so there's two types of through hikes on this trail there's the total through hike or a traditional through hike and the traditional through hikes shorter than the one i did i did the total and it's only about 260 maybe so you skip the southernmost part of the trail going through the city of Duluth and to the Wisconsin border. And so that was, I guess, an interesting part because it was more urban hiking um, is what I would term it. Cause mm-hmm. you're really hiking on the sidewalks of the city. Um, and <laughs> there's like parts though, where you go through some parks and stuff like that. And you get back in, into some wilderness eventually, but yeah. It was interesting that that's the one spot where I did do a hotel just because in that last 60 miles, there's no campsites along the trail. There's a couple of paid campgrounds, but there's no campsites like there is on the rest of the um, 260 miles. So that was interesting. The the other thing that I thought was interesting, I, I don't know how many other trails out there I'm are like this, but the campsites don't have any shelters either. So I know like the AT, I mean, that has a bunch of shelters. The long trail does. Those are the ones that I'm familiar with, but like this one has no shelters. There's a couple, but they're not part of the trail system. They're part of snowmobile trails in the winter. They're more kind of like shelters to get out of the cold. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but you can camp at those. So yeah, that's the other thing is like if I were to do maybe a trail that had the shelters like the AT, maybe I wouldn't bring as much for a shelter myself and be able to lighten my load that way. Yeah, I mean each each trail is going to be is going to be so unique, and I think that's what I've found talking with people, even you know people who do the Triple Crown and whatever, is that even as much as you know you finish a trail and you think that you've dialed it in, when you get to the next one, it's the same, but it's different, which means that you kind mm-hmm. of need to redial it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which which makes it always a new, a new adventure. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's I think the beauty of hiking in general is just like it's never the same. So yeah, yep. you're, you're always on your toes a bit, and you always come out with some new experience. Exactly. Which is the beauty of it all. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much. And, and thank your wife for uh, pointing you in my direction. Yeah. Yeah, we will do. All right. Well, thank you for having me again. 
Show notes and links for Andy's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Andy for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song, Try Again. If you have through hiking adventures to share, I'd love to hear them. Please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. If you like what we're doing here, We'd also love it if you'd find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.